Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic health share ministry to provide an affordable health sharing program rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at MyCatholicHealthShare.com. CMF Curo, healthcare fully alive. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. I really do feel that Mary had a role in bringing me back to the Catholic Church. He reminded me that Mary was my mom. I always fell upon if I needed a desperate prayer, I always called to Mary. I could see that Mary had a hand in this. She began to speak to my heart. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. Welcome to Mary's Touch, the show that brings you real-life stories of Mary's love and real stories of people living a bold witness of their Catholic faith. Today's guest is an in-studio guest and a wonderful priest, Father Tom Gibbons from Paulus Productions. Father Tom is a Paulus father based right here in L.A., and I'm excited to have him on to share about his mission here in Hollywood and the exciting projects that he's leading most current, the re-release of the 1989 classic feature film Romero. Oscar Romero is a contemporary figure in Catholicism, a bishop and martyr who will be canonized at the Vatican this October. Paulus Productions was also responsible for the recent success of the Dating Project movie, a big hit in the culture attracting mainstream and faith press and influencers around the United States. Father, it's great to have you here in studio. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I thought we could just chit-chat a little bit about... Here's, you know, Father Tom, you're a priest here in Hollywood working in the movie business. What is that all about, and how did you get to this place? Well, uh, you know, it's funny. I was always interested in film, and uh, my original career aspiration was to either be a cartoonist or a game show host. Oh, I love it. And then uh, and then, just uh, as the years went by, I was thought, oh, maybe it would be kind of fun to do film. I grew up one of those great Generation X kids watching way too much TV that was... <laughs> Not good for me, I see in my, year, <laughs> my later years. And then I went to college, Loyola uh, University in Baltimore, Maryland. Sure. And just after college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I did this great program called Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Mm. And I grew up in New Jersey, grew up on the East Coast, had never really been to the West Coast. Right. So I thought, you know what would be fun is I always grew up in these really lush green areas by the ocean. I said, it'd be great to go to the desert. So I went to Phoenix, Arizona. And, what a contrast. Oh, it was total contrast. But I loved it. And I was working in an inner city Catholic school in Phoenix called St. Matthew's. I was working as an art and computer teacher. And then I started thinking, well, well maybe, you know, I, I at some point I kind of put the movie thing out of my head and then maybe I should try that out. Maybe that would be kind of fun. And then all of a sudden I started feeling this very, very powerful call to the priesthood, which was just like very strong. had never thought about it before. Um, Were you around other influential priests or it was just happening inside? I guess it was happening inside. And I mean, I was also at St. Matthew's, you know, uh, Catholic school and I'd been with the Jesuits and I was with Jesuit volunteer corps. So I was with around that, but it wasn't so much, oh, I'm inspired 
to do this. It was just like, oh, I feel a really powerful call. And so I promptly tried to put that call away as fast as I could. <laughs> you hear <laughs> that from so many. Oh, I know. I know. And uh, I think God on some level knew that it's just like, all right, I need Tom to enter the priesthood by around 2006. So I should probably start talking to him in 1995 because <laughs> that is how long it is going to take. That is you know? classic. And, and to be honest, I think there was like a lot of emotional growing up that I needed to sure, do. And sure. I kind of felt like, and I knew that I wasn't ready on some level, like in, in addition to that usual, like Jonah running off and not wanting <laughs> right. to go to Nineveh. Like there was also that like, no, there's just also something inside me that knew I wasn't ready. So he was I went, working on it. He was working. Yeah, no, it was, it was very much of a long process. And then I went to uh, move back to Baltimore and it was the mid 90s. And I started doing web design. And like there's this brand new thing called the Internet. Right. The, and, the dawn of the yeah, Internet. Yeah, the dawn of the Internet. And I was like, oh, I can. I've always been creative. It's like, oh, if you know computer skills, you can design and you can make stuff on the computer. So I started doing that. And eventually I was the I was a web developer for Catholic Relief Services, which is located in Baltimore. Sure. So um, had a great experience there. I loved working there. Such great people and great mission. And in the heart of the church. Heart still, of the church. So yes. But still kind of, you know, I could still kind of do my own thing. Right. And then um, it was actually Holy Thursday, 2006. It Amazing. was like God tapping me on the shoulder and he says, all right, you know, you've had your fun. Yeah, time <laughs> to know, surrender. Time's up and little, you know, and I would always kind of go back and forth, but it was it was just kind of like a, mm -hmm. an ongoing process. And I think whenever I talk about discernment, or I won't even say discernment, but like that process of the priesthood, it's like what I always kind of say is it's somewhere in between. It takes as long as it takes. And when it's time, it's time. And that's true for, like, many things in life. Mm. You know, sometimes it takes as long as it takes. You know, it's just like, oh, You're I, you speaking know. to me, Father. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I want to go right now. Nope, not yet. Yeah. But I want to go. No, no, right. Okay. I don't want to go. And then it's always that kind of balance. And along, I always thought it was going to be a Jesuit, but along the way, I met the Paulist Fathers. Isn't that interesting? You had this Jesuit yeah. foundational spirituality. Yes. And then the Paulist Fathers. So and tell me about your attraction to the Paulist Fathers, which I think is part of you know, kind of the unfolding of what you're doing in Hollywood. Well, the yeah, and the funny thing is I had never encountered the Paulist Fathers before. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. just assumed, I knew, I knew that I was probably going to fit in more with the religious community than I was with the diocesan community. Mm -hmm. Like, And even when I was thinking about being the Jesuits, I was like, I've always had a real love for American history. I've always had a real passion for that. The questions we ask ourselves is what does it mean to be an American and how do we have faith in a multi-faith land in a way that honors right. our own faith and honors other and faiths? Others. Sure, yeah. sure. And uh, so I always said, well, if I was a Jesuit, I would do that. And, you know, maybe I could do some media work as a Jesuit. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe I can do that. And then I found the Paulist Fathers. And then I, I was actually at a Catholic Relief Services party or something, and this video camera broke down. And the uh, someone said, oh, go talk to that guy. He's one of the video priests. And I started talking video to this. Priest. Yeah, I was like, what's that? <laughs> what it is was that? Like, yeah, it was, uh, his name was Father John Ganey of the mm -hmm. Paulist Fathers. Mm -hmm. He'd been, you know, he was one of our, our, our great members of the community. He was working for Catholic Relief Services, and he just kind of mm -hmm. gave me the quick spiel, and I just went home. And the Paulist Fathers are the first men's Catholic religious community founded in the United States. Mm. It's got a great story. The founder, Isaac Hecker, 
was born in New York City, which as a, a New York northern Eastern. New Jersey who roots yeah. for New York teams, you know, Uh-oh. there was kind of like that, that <laughs> Media hometown blackout. connection. Oh, oh, no, I'm, adi- I'm adding show grace. Host. Oh, <laughs> right. oh, adding, adding grace to your program. I, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> On the day the Red Sox clinch, so I have to wear a little bit of apple pie. Um, but you'll like this. Speaking of Boston, he went up to New England and became a New England transcendentalist. Oh. So he's hanging out with Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. I Throw. love Ralph Waldo. Emerson. Yes. I grew up with all that kind of classic you uh, know, education. Love, you will love Isaac Hacker because he right. was one of them. He right. was spending time with Louisa May Alcott oh, and Little uh, Women. Yes, amazing, yes, amazing. All this kind of stuff. And he was feeling these like interior stirrings and he, he gets up there and he loves them. He develops a very good friendship with Henry David Thoreau, but then it's like, no, this isn't it. And this isn't the whole piece. This isn't the whole piece. Right. And there was another transcendentalist named Orestes Brownson, who at the same time was thinking about himself becoming Catholic. And Hecker mm. started wandering into some masses and decided, no, Catholicism is it for me. And became Catholic, which in the 1840s was a crazy thing to do because America was such a Protestant leaning country. Yes, and in New England, in the New Puritan, England, oh, Protestant, he, yes, yes, all that kind of stuff. So, and then he went and joined the Redemptors, and then from there joined the Paulist Fathers the as a way to kind of. And his whole thing was how do we reconcile American culture, which with all the blessings and shortcomings it has, with the Catholic Church right. with the blessings and sometimes shortcomings it has and right. how do how do we help facilitate that conversation right. so I think and uh, Hecker was uh, created the first Catholic publishing house in the United States Paul's Press that just yes. celebrated its 150th anniversary congratulations yeah no and it's it's um, so there's always the evangelization been this, component it's very always strong. very very strong I was mm-hmm. like how do we share the faith and I think it, when we talk about the Paul's Fathers today we kind of see uh, Father Bud Kaiser who's the founder of, of Paul's Productions would put it you know, we serve the church by serving those outside the church. Right. And we would articulate that now as we always have an eye to those outside the Catholic community. So we're very involved in the ecumenical movement in right. terms of how do we dialogue with our Protestant brothers and sisters and those of other right. Christian denominations so that we may be one. Uh, how do we dialogue with other faiths? Uh, how do we reach out to people who have no faith and, and, you know, invite them into the gifts that we have? And then also reconciliation, those who have been hurt by the church. That's right. been a really big thing in the news, mm. especially recently. How do we reach out and provide a safe space and a welcoming space? So mm. we're always kind of like looking. Building the bridges. Yeah, we're always building bridges. That's a big thing that a lot of Paulists would use. So And and yeah. no other like St. Paul to, to be the man behind all of that. Exactly. Who had been yes. really on both sides of it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yep. Pre-conversion, pre-BC, before Christ, and yep. then and then his you know, transformation. So it's incredible the work that you're doing. Yeah. And Paula's productions, you know, I'm always fascinated to see the types of people that, that are in Hollywood. And of course, the level of faith and fidelity and priesthood and religious, you know, I'm thinking of the Paula's fathers and I think of the daughters of St. Paul and a similar, right. similar kind of opposite end of the coin. Very strong presence here in Hollywood. And yes. um, we've been blessed. I've been blessed to collaborate with Paulist on some of your great projects. Um, the Dating Project, yes. Romero, which is coming up. Yep. Talk a little bit about The Dating Project, and then we'll get into Romero, which is really big right now. The Dating Project it was a wonderful project that was brought to us by Megan Harrington, who's an amazing producer. She um, she's really She helped me out on the story of Isaac Hecker. You yes. know, and on a project I was working on, a separate project, and she came and uh, brought 
the dating project. She had been working with a different company, but for some reason they weren't kind of getting what it was all about or what what they what she really wanted it to be about. The it. vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was just kind of like a sort of like a miscommunication or it wasn't a good fit. And so they brought it to Paul's Productions and uh Chris Donahue was the president at the time and Mary Brothsbros saw the project mm-hmm. and really responded to it. And I think what is great about that particular project is that when the Paulists say we really want to see the bridge builders, you know, because there's always this tendency. It's it's always tough. It's faith media is a little tough because it's like the choir will always pay you to preach to them. Of course. You know, and but that's how do good. we get out and, of that? Yeah. And it's tough to get out. And sometimes, yeah. you know, we need to preach to the choir. You know, sometimes that's that's important, you know, and we need to listen to the choir too. But we always, but if we're gonna grow, if we're gonna expand, how do we have dialogue beyond that? And the dating project was just this perfect documentary and in terms of talking about dating in today's culture in a very open and non-threatening way. Right. No just one's trying to beat over the head. It's a reflection of the culture as it is. Right. Uh, yeah. Professor Carrie Cronin of amazing. Boston College. She's who, incredible. She's fantastic. She's, she's really uh, an amazing, amazing person. She uh, noticed that hookup culture was so prevalent on campuses to a degree that no one knew how to date anymore. Like the basic. The fundamentals of human interaction. Right. They were just gone. They were just gone. And so she started a class to literally teach people the basics of dating. You know, she didn't beat anyone over the head. She just kind of said, hey, right. here are some tools to help you have healthier relationships. It wasn't cloaked in religiosity. But, no. But pure, clearly the underpinnings were of a, of a spiritual, moral, you know, nature. She came at it from where the world was. Oh, absolutely. She was very brilliant, very but, clever. But what she's really great at, I mean, you can tell she, she knows her philosophy and she knows her theology. She so does. when you listen to her talk, it's like me now having an MDiv from becoming a priest you know it's like oh you're quoting Ronner there right, oh right, you're right. doing you know yeah, I get, it's all I get undercover the, the underpinnings like undercover. Yeah. yeah yeah I love it and I think it's brilliant and I think it's we should all take classes and you know how to really present gospel truth without being like so forcing it down people's throat because people can only handle what they can handle right. at a baby baby food level until they're chewing the steak right <laughs> right and even this it's it's my my sister was just like or is this gonna my sister in new jersey brought some friends to go see it and uh she uh was like is it gonna be really one of those churchy heavy-handed movies i said no i promise right. you it yeah. won't it's and edgy. It, but it is edgy and it's it's she goes to the film and she's with some of her other friends who are moms and she says everybody i know needs to see this film and it's very relatable. It's very and it, and, and it just talks about the honest struggles we have right. nowadays and and uh, how do we start that conversation? Mm-hmm. So. It's amazing. And I think that's the heart of what Paula's Productions is all about. And when we come back from a, a brief little break, we're going to talk about just exciting project this year, Romero, the reintroduction of the 1989 classic film Romero with Raul Julia. Um, this is being represented by Paulus Productions, and we want to tell everybody that's listening about it and also about Oscar Romero, the archbishop who was martyred for the faith, who will be a saint this October. We'll be right back. The Faith and Freedom Minute explores the intersection of our Catholic faith and modern American culture offering insights to understand and navigate the divide between secular viewpoints and our Catholic principles. Brought to you by the Knights of Columbus, here's past State Deputy for Texas, Douglas Oldmixon. Catholics across the United States are encouraged to pray and act in support of religious liberty at home and abroad, especially during Religious Freedom Week. As chair of the USCCB's Committee for Religious Liberty, Archbishop Joseph Kurtz announced, 
Religious freedom allows the space for people of faith to serve others in God's love in ministries like education, adoption and foster care, health care, and migration and refugee services. We encourage people of faith to reflect on the importance of religious freedom so that we might have the space to carry out our mission of service and mercy. And we invite everyone to pray for our brothers and sisters who face intense persecution in other parts of the world. As Knights of Columbus, we place a special emphasis on the defense of persecuted Christians, especially in the Mideast. Will you join us? This has been the Knights of Columbus Faith and Freedom Minute. To learn more about the effective witness and practical works of the world's largest Catholic family organization, please visit our website at kfc.org. That's kofc.org. I am Alexis Walkenstein. You're listening to Mary's Touch, and we are here with Father Tom Gibbons from Paulus Productions, and I'm so excited to be talking about everything to do with his vocation, how he got to Hollywood, the spirituality of of the Paulus Fathers, and and the uh, ministry arm of Paulus Productions. Maybe we could talk about Father Bud Kaiser, the founder, a little bit, and then we'll talk about Romero, which is really your big project coming up right now. Right, and I think, you know, if we're going to talk about Romero, the film, we have to talk about Father Bud Kaiser. Uh, I think it was 1958 he was ordained with the Paulus Fathers. He's from Philadelphia. And uh, his first assignment was here in Los Angeles at St. Paul the Apostle Church in Westwood. Beautiful. And and it still is to a certain degree, but especially at that time, if you were in the entertainment industry and you were Catholic, you went to St. Paul the Apostle in Westwood. That was the hot spot? That was the hot spot. Wow. It was It was all happening there. And so Father Bud came as this, you know, young, strapping, you know, new priest. Yeah. And he started doing these Catholicism 101 classes. And people really responded to his, to his zeal, his communication style. And one of the producers of the television show Leave it to Beaver ah. came up to him and said, hey, Father Bud, you should be on this on this new technology we call TV. <laughs> I mean, it's been around for a little while. Right. But, the you know, dawn of TV. Yeah, the, right. no, but it was. It was, it was the it dawn was. of TV. And it's like, oh, I can get us some time at this local TV studio. Yeah. So they go and they film. And Father Bud always had a great way of talking to everybody. You know, not very just some talking to the Catholic. Very relatable. Mm. You know, one of his idols was, you know, someone you care very much about, Fulton Sheen. Uh, I yes, know. of course. Yep. Yes. Very much one of his idols. Yes. And uh, the show locally took off. And then they started making more dramatic episodes and mm. tapping into all the actors and producers and writers who went to church at St. Paul's and says, hey, you want to do some extracurricular activities? Do these little morality plays. And it, it was kind of like the Catholic... Catholic Twilight Zone. <laughs> we need I mean, that. Yeah. We need that. People yes. are looking for answers. And, you know, it's, right. it's amazing when you think about, you mentioned Fulton Sheen, and I'm thinking of Father Peyton as well. Yep. Father right. Bud. Absolutely. This yep. kind of like trifecta of priests who are on the scene in Hollywood in that time right. in New York, Hollywood, impacting the culture. Very much impacting the culture. And then what they started to do is they television stations had to give away I forget how much it was, but like a, like maybe either a half hour or an hour a week to public they, access yes. time. Yes, and that's so not so much anymore. Not at but all it, But anymore. that was a big deal. Even when I worked in television, there was still that whole responsibility. And then what Father Bud did is he started producing these very high-quality shows with high-quality actors, high-quality writing. And he started driving around the country to all these local TV stations saying, hey, you need public access time. I've got a TV show that's professionally done with all these actors and just put it on the air. And he went after it. And he, he went, went after it. it and it became a nationally syndicated show for 20 over 20 years. It's yeah. incredible. And then 
Paulus Productions is really carrying on that legacy that you do. And that's how Paulus Productions got started. And then once Insight started to wind down, Father Bud said, hmm, what else can I do? And mm. he started doing some TV movies of the week. He started right. doing some after school specials. But then the story of Romero that came across his desk from a very successful writer now, John Sackert Young, because Bud at that point knew everybody in town. Right. So yeah. this is not a re-release of a film that isn't connected to Paulist. No. This is rooted yeah. in the Paulist family. Very much so. so. This is really meaningful, that you're re-releasing the 1989 film that Father Bud really was shepherding. Right. This is meaningful for the mission that you have, but meaningful for the world. In so many ways, it's actually the perfect time for this film to come out. One, of course, because uh, Archbishop Romero is being canonized in October. And so we said, oh, well, we definitely have to re-release it because of the canonization. And then it was like, wait a minute, next year's the 30th anniversary. And now and as a country, we're just talking about so much. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing all these refugees come from El Salvador mm-hmm. and seeing, which is where Oscar Romero's the from, the poor. Mm-hmm. And how are, what kind of discussions are we having mm-hmm. as a country? What kind of faith discussions are we having? So he's relevant there. And then also just in the, um, tragically, the most recent news right. of everything that's going on in the church in many ways, Romero is such an example of leadership to those of us in clergy and those of us in the leadership of the clergy of what our priorities need to be. Exactly. So it's, it, it really couldn't come at a better time. It's really incredible. And just for our audience, Oscar Romero, Archbishop Oscar Romero, he will become the first Salvadorian saint. He was born August 15th, 1917. He was gunned down during mass in a hospital chapel March 24th, 1980, a day after telling an army made up largely of peasants that they were killing their own people. He said no soldier is obliged to obey an order that is contrary to the will of God. He was shot through the heart by gunmen linked to a right-wing death squad while celebrating Mass after saying, quote, One must not love oneself so much as to avoid getting involved in the risks of life that history demands of us, and those who fend off danger will lose their lives. You know, I mean, he's I mean, he literally shed blood, the blood of martyrs. Um, And we think of martyrdom as something that is so historical. And yet this is 1980. This is. Well, I mean, when when Father Bud read this, he read the story in the New York. I'm sorry, in the L.A. Times. Mm. So, I mean, he wasn't like reading some religious book. going, Oh, this would be a really great story about a saint. I mean, he literally read about it after the day after he was assassinated. And that's how this whole genesis of the project came through Mm. is really so nine Literally nine years later, Father Bud was able to mm. kind of get the film off the ground. It's it's heroic witness of faith to mm-hmm. the point of death. And we sometimes struggle like a white martyrdom in our culture, mm-hmm. you know, trying to live the Catholic life, teaching. Many people struggle. And yet here's a man who, to the point of death, mm-hmm. gives us this witness. And also, like you said, in the midst of all that we're seeing with the trial in the church right now, with um, the abuse scandal, with right. the clergy and mm-hmm. some of our questions about fidelity. Here's a bishop that was faithful unto death and a model of sainthood for now. And I, th- I think what, it, you know, going to that, that, that is a wonderful quote that you just read by Romero is there's always a temptation. I, you know, even like now I'm six, I've been ordained for six years and it's easy to stay in the rectory. Right. You know, it's right. easy it's to stay place. in the rectory. <laughs> it's easy to stay there. And Romero said, no, I need to be with the poor. I need to be 
with my flock. I think one of the big struggles with this latest scandal is it feels like many bishops fell into the temptation to put the institutional church before the flock. Right. You know, it's like, no, no, it's the flock first. Then the church is supposed to serve that. And I think that's one of the reasons Romero is such a great witness. And it's a great story that we need today. He's a contradiction. And there was a U.S. Catholic piece from a while ago that actually spoke about that, that he was a shock. He was a surprise. Mm -hmm to the institution because of his allegiance to the poor, because he selected, he elected to be with the poor rather than, you know, really elevate the office. And he really had to go through his own conversion process Mm -hmm. for that, because Mm -hmm. when he was elected uh, as the bishop of San Salvador, he was considered the safe choice. He was Mm -hmm. the, oh, this guy isn't going to ruffle any feathers. He's just going to stay in his library and he's not going to do anything. He was bookish and intellectual. Very, 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 very much so. But then what happened was, his one of his very good friends was a Jesuit named Father Rutilio Grande. And Father Grande was very much working with the poor, working with the issues, helping them in their struggles, helping to stand up for them when they're being abused in the mm-hmm. workforce. And Father Rutilio Grande was shot down mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the forces that be at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment when Oscar Romero said, wait a minute, if that is the Christian witness, then I need to be there too. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his moment of conversion. He didn't want to be outside of God's plan. No, he did know? not. No, yeah. he said, this is where it's happening. Right. And in the and where life isn't simple, where it's right. kind of messy. You exactly. know, I think anyone who deals in social justice issues realize it's it, messy. There's it no is, right or wrong answer. But the importance is just to walk yes. and to be there. To, to be and, in the mix, to be and, a presence. And, and one of the things I think the film does so well is it really shows the tension because it's not like Romero said, oh, you know, forget you, upper class. I don't want to deal with you anymore. He really tried to maintain a fidelity to the world from which he'd come, as well as this new community of the poor that he was engaging. Mm. But the it was the upper class that was saying, no, no, why are you hanging around them? Mm. No, 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 you need to be here only for us. And that was part of his struggle, was really mm. to say, look, I'm not trying to be an either or, but we all have real responsibilities as Christians and as Catholics. What do you expect or hope this reemergence of Romero in the movie format to do for the church and for others? Well, uh, I I hope it does many things. One, to really encourage the faithful in terms of our responsibilities to the poor. Mm -hmm. You know, the poor are inconvenient. It's messy. It's not easy. It's, you know, and and, and it's not simple. And I think that's one of the reasons Pope Francis throughout his pontificate has been saying, we need to be engaged, especially Mm -hmm. in this country. Smell like the sheep. Smell like (laughs) the sheep. And especially in this country with, you know, with income inequality. Yes. Who, you know, who are we willing to help and stand by? And, And people of goodwill can come from many different places. You know, many people can have different perspectives on that. But how do we keep that option for the poor alive and really make that mm-hmm. a focus and not get so caught up in our, well, I'm an ideological this or am I an ideological exactly. that? It's like, no, well, you know, we may have different perspectives on how to do it, but let's make sure we start coming together. Second, I feel for many of the bishops who have been trying to do the right thing, right. you know, and maybe have been doing it very imperfectly. Mm-hmm. Some were absolutely not trying to do the right thing, but there were many who were really trying to do the right thing. And and so over the last few weeks, all those stories have been coming out and that in trying to serve the church, it's they kind of had to enter the messiness of the church. Yes. And so, you know, I'm hoping we kind of come to 
not to say that mistakes weren't made and not to not correct those mistakes and do right by the people who were harmed by those mistakes, but also understand that many of the people were actually trying to do the right thing and not just kind of have like, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. But I do think in this time to have a saint who is a bishop that he's someone we can all like lift us all up and right. see someone where we do we need on. to go someone we can rely right. on someone whom uh, can provide us an example yes. of you know someone whom we can all measure when we're when we are confused well and holiness begets holiness right. and that kind of radical fidelity begets radical fidelity mm-hmm. and so um to i think the storytelling of sharing romero in film format will build up the church and build up priesthood, hopefully first and foremost, and bishops and clergy to kind of examine how are they living their episcopacy? Mm -hmm. How are they living their priesthood? And for lay people, how are we following the call of God in our life? Right. Well, the movie is Romero. Father Tom Gibbons is with Paulus Productions, Apollos Father. I'm so grateful to have had you on the show today. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for coming in studio. And we'll have to do a few more like this because you're a great guest. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you to our Mary's Touch listeners. We are praying for you. God love you. God bless you. This program is produced by Mary's Touch, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to bringing you the love of Mary and her son, Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or a story to share, write to us at Mary's Touch, P.O. Box 341991, Austin, Texas, 78734, or email radio at marystouch.org. For more stories or to find out more about Mary, visit our website at marystouch.org. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusofLexington.com.